breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Your faithful American Muslim patriot, the place where you come to hear about reason, about the battle against radical Islam, about freedom, liberty, maybe even COVID, pandemics, medicine, economics, whatever else is on the forefront that the media will not cover that I think should be discussed and at least can give you a little bit of clarity from my perspective on the issues of the day. Leave it to the Biden administration to not last longer than 110 plus days and let the Middle East go to flames. Yep, under under the Trump administration, say what you will, but there was a significant peace, and we'll talk about that. What changed? What's going on in Israel and Palestine? Why is it ablaze? Why is some of the most significant armed conflict happening there that we've seen in almost seven, eight, if not more than 10 years? Well, we'll get down to it and a lot more. And before we get to the details of what exactly is happening, what triggered it, why this, uh, you know, uh, fire is spreading in conflict between the Palestinians and Israel, The bottom line, though, is don't be distracted. Don't be deceived. There's always going to be some specific neighborhoods, houses, properties in dispute, and excuses to begin conflicts. There was nothing new that happened in the past few weeks that supposedly was unpredictable or could have predicted that this would be a major conflagration. No. This happened because of a number of confluences that occurred. Make no mistake. First of all, let's set the stage of what happened during the Trump administration. We had the Abraham Accords. You had Arab Sunni country after country sit down with Israel, recognize peace with its Jewish state neighbor. From Bahrain to the Emirates to Morocco to others, Sudan, Even Kosovo opened an embassy in Jerusalem, not in Tel Aviv, but in Jerusalem, just as the United States did. And the accords that were signed and the photo ops that happened were not just photo ops. These were agreements that talked about the normalization of diplomatic relations, the normalization of recognition of Israel as a state, something that should have happened a long time ago, but finally happened because of the intent and the focus and the resolve of the Trump administration to make sure that happened. And what it did, it enraged the Palestinians because off the table, off the table was their ability to claim that this was not just about them, not just about the Hamas terror leadership. No, it was an Arab, it was a Muslim cause. So the ability to rally the cause across the region, across the world, was diminished, but not taken away because the Islamist movement has a grasp on countries like Turkey, Pakistan, Qatar, Iran, with the Khomeinists, 
So that media frenzy will continue to exist and radicalize them. From Al Jazeera to Press TV in Iran to Pakistani TV and otherwise and Turkish TV. But at the end of the day, a huge, a huge element of popular support was taken away. And it was done so in a way, and I've talked about it on this program before, it was done so in a way that was not simply the king of the Emirates or Bahrain or soon maybe Saudi Arabia making a statement that this was going to be the state policy. No, it included religious backup and included theological discourse in the mosques to back up why Israel should be recognized, why Israel is the only state recognized in the Quran, why it's not haram to support the Zionist state. Now, Many of the popular Islamists dismissed it and said this was simply economic. This was simply uh, bowing a knee to the West, yada, yada, yada. The Al-Qaeda narrative, if you will, of how much they hate the West. The radical Islamist ISIS narrative about how much they hate the Jews and the West. But it wasn't sticking as much as it was. And oh, by the way, we were told that there would be significant terrorism and acts of radicalism upon the movement of the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and crickets, crickets, nothing. Nothing happened because, say what you will about the Trump administration, they made it clear that they weren't going to be messed with. And Hamas knew that it would have paid a heavy price to start a conflict again at that time. Iran, maximum pressure campaign, decreased their ability significantly to bring about more death and destruction with the Houthis in Yemen as they were significantly diminished in their transfer of money and weapons. Same thing with Hezbollah, diminished. Assad, diminished. But persisted. They weren't confronted, but they were... Because of the pressure on Iran and their economic, they were losing $50 billion a year, $100 million a day, according to some calculations by their maximum pressure campaign from the West. And now, within a few days of the Biden administration, they signaled they were going to relieve that. They were going to release, they've already released a few billions, and there's more to come. And they're asking for more. And all of a sudden, they're becoming more belligerent, expecting that the Biden administration will continue to bend not one knee, but both knees, and continue Obama 3.0, and bring back the JCPOA nuclear agreement. And they're asking for more. They said that since they suffered four years, they expect reparations of some kind. That's what the Iranian media is talking about. So now you look who's the primary arming entity for Hamas Hamas I'll remind you had headquarters in Damascus for 15 years before the Syrian revolution began Mesh'al and other Hamas leaders were based out of there and then Hamas initially thought that Assad was leaving so they went back and joined the Islamists in Syria the Muslim Brotherhood of Syria in pushing to overthrow Assad but then that became a losing proposition they withdrew and now are back on Assad's side Sort of the same game that 
Turkey plays. Erdogan and the Islamists out of the AKP play. But the bottom line, as far as the context of this week is concerned, is that Hamas continued to receive weapons and missiles over the last five, six years. It tried to from Iran. But under the Trump administration, with its maximum pressure policy, that diminished significantly, if anything, down to zero. But now we saw the USS Monterey with a cache of weapons that was seized that were on their way to Hamas from Iran with hundreds of missiles and grenades and RPGs and other types of weapons that the picture was seen all over the world on their deck. A friend of mine in the Navy reminded me that uh, in our reunion of our ship from the USS El Paso, he had served on the Monterey for some time and was proud to see what was saved in the weaponry that was avoided from going to Hamas on his old ship. But now the signal is out that not only can the weapons flow again, but Hamas was looking for a reason to use it. And the playbook was the same. The playbook is the same. We finish the month of Ramadan, our holy month, our ninth month of the lunar calendar, of the Islamic calendar, equal to September, but it's our holy month in which we fast. We believe the Prophet Muhammad received the Quranic scripture during those days. And we fasted from sunrise to sunset. That ended last week. And we had our holiday of the Eid al-Fitr, the holiday of the feast on the first day of the 10th month, which was last Thursday. And sure enough, you look back to the last offensive done by Hamas into Israel or done by Hezbollah into Israel. It was 2014 that Hamas last was rocketing significantly Israel. And that was in Ramadan. Why does this happen? Why did ISIS complete its jihad? Well, it believes religiously, theologically, that if you fight in Ramadan, the jihad is worth more. But it also inflames the unity of the Islamist radicals as, as the fervor of religion and prayer and rather than the opposite of what it should be, which is atonement and humility and coming to one with God and forgetting about the conflicts and materialism of this earth. But no, to them, it's a fuse that they light. It's the opposite of what religious Muslims would believe, but they use it as a tool, much like they use the Quran as their tool, the Islamic concept and state as their tool. And they inflamed it. So they took this area, Sheikh Jarrah, a small neighborhood in East Jerusalem, that has been an area of dispute since the 48 War, a neighborhood in which intermittently it has changed hands, even from before with the Ottomans many times. I think somebody said nine or ten times this little neighborhood in East Jerusalem has shifted back from the 12th century many times. And then after 67, because Jerusalem proper came under the control of the Israeli government, it also came under the control of Israel. 
and there were disputes about various homes and properties, evictions of some Palestinian families. And we're not talking thousands, and th- we're talking 40, 50 families. And again, I'm not weighing in on whether that's correct or not. I don't want to let Hamas guide the conversation and get us into these details. Because these details, there are other neighborhoods also disputed. There's the whole dispute will need parties at the table that are not terrorists like Hamas will need rational. There are movements, and this is the saddest thing about what's happened in the past week. The Islamist establishment of Hamas, the terror organization, still designated as a terror organization by our State Department, is not the Palestinian people. But yet, did they vote for them? They did. Have they had an Arab Spring against them? It's about time they should against Hamas. Abbas is also just as bad on the other side of the Palestinian radical equation. But the bottom line is this is their leadership. On the ground in these neighborhoods, there are groups, conversations, dialogue, businesses, startups happening in which you have Jewish settlers working with Palestinians. Families eating together, breaking bread together. You may say that, oh, that's just, uh, those are just minor little uh, weird scenarios. No, they're not. There's a lot of cooperation happening on the ground but not among the leadership because the leadership is radicalized and they're trying to radicalize the people the media they're pushing out also is radicalizing as you see with memory putting out videos this week if you don't think hamas started this conflict this week watch the video from memory in which an islamic jihad spokesperson basically said that they had not only launched the rockets intending to inflame and have a scorched earth and kill Jews and other horrific details that he gave. But he didn't say this was defense. This was offense. So contrary to the narrative of Bernie Sanders in the New York Times, contrary to the narrative the New York Times and other leftist outlets that give this false moral equivalency and again whatever you might think of the Israeli government and Netanyahu and others to compare Hamas to the secular liberal democratic government of Israel regardless of what you may think to compare it and give it moral equivalency is like comparing the American government to Al-Qaeda and that's what some Israeli spokespeople have said, and I could not agree more. Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Hamas is an organization that believes in its charter that you should kill a Jew behind every stone, quoting what they believe to be Islamic scripture and the Hadith. Now, I personally and many of our reform movement leaders do not believe that's genuine, authentic Hadith, that it should be scrapped as simply a, a fabrication. But the bottom line is that's in the Hamas charter. And Sheikh Jarrah is simply a distraction. It was a distraction in which this week, Israel's Supreme Court had been expected to deliver a ruling on May 10th, 2021, on whether to uphold the eviction of Palestinian families from the Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood that had been permitted by a lower court. 
The order covers 13 families, 58 people, including 17 children. Six families were to be evicted by May 2 and further seven families by August 1. And then in May, earlier this month, clashes between Palestinian and Israeli police occurred over the anticipated evictions. But on May 9th, Israeli Supreme Court delayed the decision for 30 days, and yet the conflict started anyway. And then you see pictures of supposedly the Israelis attacking the Aqsa Mosque. And then at our prayers and prayers all over the world, Muslims saying nothing about what's initiated this conflict. Hamas launching missiles, attacking Israel. You see missiles into neighborhoods, into schools, into random areas. You see the, the pictures of the Iron Dome pegging off these missiles throughout the area. And AOC's response, Ilhan Omar's response is, how fair is that the Palestinians don't have an Iron Dome? As if this is somehow a, a, a war of equals. Not that it was a terror organization launching missiles randomly without a declaration of war, but in a cowardly way of simply terror operations. No, not a declaration of war, and yet they want an equal playing field with a Palestinian Iron Dome. That is an AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Ilhan Omar endorsed terrorism on the people of Israel. And the way they're treating our border, they'd probably want the same thing if somehow the Mexican cartels decided to start launching missiles from Mexico into Texas or Arizona. That somehow we would sit by and not try to target where those missiles came from in order to protect us. And now you see the media and others in arm because there was an AP, Associated Press office, an Al Jazeera office, and a building that clearly had leadership offices for Hamas. And that's not a coincidence. We already know that Hamas is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. We already know that Qatar's media has been arm in arm. Some studies say that essentially 90 plus percent of the personnel at Al Jazeera are Muslim Brotherhood. So it's not, it's not even embedding the troops. It is part of Hamas's operation is Al Jazeera. And if they're going to work and launch military operations from within media buildings and otherwise, what do they expect Israel to do when there's hundreds and more missiles being launched from these areas? And now you could say that Israel's response, which included deploying some soldiers into the areas, trying to minimize loss of life as they find the tunnels again as they find the weapons. But the bottom line, the bottom line is, is what is to be gained? Why is Hamas doing this? Why are all of a sudden the state, why is the state of Israel in a state of emergency? And you keep, they keep comparing data on, on CNN and otherwise about death and on deaths and, and which side is which has lost more how about they talk about why did Hamas start this? Is it really about that neighborhood? Every time they find some issue, they didn't state these neighborhood conflicts and disagreements existed at the time of the Trump administration, but there were no initiations of missile launches every other month like we saw 
for a period in Obama administration and then culminating in 2014. It, that didn't happen under the Trump administrations because peace exists when strength is known to be a response. That's possible. And when you don't appease militant radicals, they know that they will no longer exist if they fight. Now, they saw early on in the Biden administration that they had an ear. They had Muslims positioned that were Hamas supporters in the White House. They had supporters, and I'm talking about Rima. I think Doden's her last name. I might be wrong on the last name, but bottom line, I've talked about her here. And now you see that the Biden response is about calling for calm, basically saying, please stop. Please discuss this. And you even have that as not good enough from the, from the U.S. chapter, quote unquote, the U.S. chapter of Hamas, a.k.a. CARE, came out today, this week, saying it will boycott the traditional White House holiday Eid celebration in protest amid escalating violence between the Israeli and Palestinian forces. That, that imminable uh, cycle of violence, as if it's equal. There's no cycle here. This is terrorist launching, and, and this is not an unusual position for Muslims, by the way. You just aren't talking to the right Muslims if you're not hearing that. Yes, we're going to be diverse in our ideas, but there are many Muslims who believe just as those who've supported the peace process with the Abraham Accords who believe that the Palestinians need to clean up their own leadership before talking about getting to a peace table. Leadership that includes believers in peace, believers in recognition of Israel so that they can then sit at the table and be recognized as a people with the grievances that they may have. But until they do that, there's no reason for Israel to sit with them, with leaders that are Hamas, with a charter that is genocidal against the Jews, that makes no sense. And as we saw with the Emirates and Bahrain and others, many in the Arab leadership, let alone in the Muslim streets across the world, have had it with being dragged into the Palestinian conflict. And now you're finding that the Islamists are trying to find other conflicts like Kashmir and others, to inflame in order to rally the global troops of Islamism. But yet Biden spoke to Prime Minister Netanyahu this week, assuring him of U.S. support for Israel as it fends off Hamas-fired rockets and retaliates with airstrikes in Gaza. He did note Israel has a right to defend itself, Biden told reporters. But CARE said it was incredibly disappointed and deeply disturbed by the administration's position and response to the violence. I'll remind you that while there were two, 3,000 Syrians being killed a week, year after year since 2011, CARE, when it met with President Obama, did not, even when Hassan Shibli had a time to sit with President Obama. He brought a Palestinian kid that he claimed had been shot or hit with a stone by an Israeli soldier. 
That's what he paraded through the White House in 2013-14 instead of this is a, this is a care operative whose family's from Aleppo by the way. So instead of talking about the Syrian genocide by the Assad regime and what the nuclear agreement was doing by fueling the Iranian regime's ability to send billions in weapons and soldiers into Syria to kill wantonly neighborhoods where our families are, including his. He didn't care about that because the Islamists, the Hamas chapter of the Muslim Brotherhood here in America is all about the Palestinian cause. That's it. That's their... That's their main brotherhood. And by the way, that's the same Shibli that now left even the radicals at care with his tail between his leg because he was a predator, misogynist, with complaints by a number of women, including his wife, and possibly a polygamous relationship. On and on. And you see the corruption and the rot from within that is the Islamist movement. And especially the radicals at Hamas. Care has been shown multiple times by the Investigative Project on Terrorism to have roots and discussions and conversations of the founding members in 1994 and even before that in 91 in Philadelphia to have been Hamas supporters that decided to broaden. Remember, the founding of Care was about broadening the Palestinian issue so that they could say it was about Islam versus the West and they would have a broader constituency than it being simply the Palestinians versus Israel. And that strategy has paid off as you see Erdogan, as you see Qatar, as you see the Khomeinists and others and the Pakistani Sharia supremacists of the Diobandis and Islamic Circle of North America, Islamic Society, all sort of working together against the Islamophobes. You know, the CARE guys a few weeks ago demanded that Biden create an ambassador against Islamophobia because the the new pandemic, according to CARE and others, was Islamophobia. Oh, yeah, that's it's all over the place. Whatever that means, like that term is offensive itself. What is Islamophobia? People who disagree with Islam, they claim that we in the Muslim reform movement are Islamophobes because we don't toe the line of their supremacist version interpretations of Islam. Care was incredibly disappointed and deeply disturbed by the administration's position in response to the violence. Awad claims, reported, that President Biden has the political power and moral authority to stop these injustices. We urge him to stand on the side of the victims and not the victimizer. Wow. What a narrative. They've had the authority and the position to demand reform, to demand true peaceful protest rather than violent protest. And demand that Hamas change its charter, demand that the Muslim Brotherhood abandon its supremacist Islamist goals, demand that Hezbollah abandon its supremacist goals, demand that the Khomeinists abandon their supremacist goals and anti-Westernism and genocidal calls from the Twitter feeds of Khamenei and on. But that never happened. No, they only know how to sit here in Washington and demand that our president 
even bend on more knees than he already is. I mean, this insanely sycophantic and pro-Islamist administration of the Biden administration is not Islamist enough for them. Pro-Islamist enough. No. They want more. And they even want an ambassador against Islamophobia. The other group, the American Muslims for Palestine, is boycotting the White House's virtual Eid celebration, which is scheduled to take place later this week. CARE had previously boycotted multiple traditional White House events under the Trump administration, but did not do so under Obama. So I guess Obama's sycophancy, appeasement of Iran of the Khomeinis and the genocide in Syria, that didn't matter, no. No, it's all about Israel. Israel's the problem. The secular democracy, the closest ally we have in the Middle East, let alone in the world. Is apparently a bigger problem than oh Assad. That's unbelievably idiot idiotic. And Israel is defending itself and now completing an operation that's beginning to dismantle the infrastructure that's been supporting Hamas. Will that go all the way to Iran? It includes the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. They were able to, re- they were able to destroy 90% of the missiles through the Iron Dome. 10% got through, which is saddening but yet amazing that they got 90%. Six Israeli civilians have been killed by Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. The IDF now is going into, it's targeted even the operations that include the Islamic Bank and other buildings that include the leadership of Hamas. Homes of the senior Hamas battalion commanders used for military purposes have been hit and other senior commanders. Over 2,000 rockets have been fired by Hamas in the last five days. An Israeli spokesman said that Iran was the one that provided Palestinian Islamic Jihad with almost all of its weaponry and funding. They're aiding Hamas engineers on how to produce and design rockets. Clear Iranian involvement in that respect is seen. And it goes on. Hamas saw the opportunity, according to the investigative project on terrorism. It said that we were preventing Muslim prayers at the Haram al-Sharif Temple Mount, and that was an absolute lie. We were fully supportive of giving all opportunities freedom of religion, said the source from Israel. But then Hamas began inciting violence. It fired five rockets from Gaza at Jerusalem to secure the image of saviors of the holy place of Muslims. So it wasn't just about that neighborhood. They used Al-Aqsa, as I told you earlier, in order to say that that was what was being attacked. And sure enough, like the soldiers of the green shirts or brown shirts, whatever you want to call them, all over the world, the imams and the pulpits of the Islamists started to talk about how They were going to protect Al-Aqsa along with videos that showed supposedly targets from Israel 
targeting Palestinians. But the truth was something quite different. The truth was that Hamas instigated this. The truth was that Hamas saw an opening in Western weakness. And sure enough, Bernie Sanders has an op-ed in the New York Times this week condemning the Netanyahu administration for what it does and basically calling moral equivalency. And now all of a sudden, whatever price the Hamas operatives have paid, they say that these are martyrs because they've moved the narrative forward. The Palestinians are back on the front page and the world's Muslim community is enraged again because of the Israeli-Muslim conflict and not just the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. This has to change. We have to move forward as a, as a community aside from partisan politics. Appeasement will not work. It can't just be a few sentences of support, President Biden. You need to call on the Palestinian community to condemn and marginalize its terror leaders, its terror charters and Hamas, and to also not give lip service to American Hamas supporters and Islamist Muslim Brotherhood sympathizers. We have a lot of work to do, but it needs to start at home and globally with maximum pressure against Hamas and against Iran. That's the only way. For, the, for everybody else, I would tell you, read between the lines, follow the realities on the ground, of what's happening. Look at history and how this constantly, this cycle of, uh, of small little narratives that then are used to inflame Muslims, then create, especially at the time of a far left, weak governments, that it then uses that opportunity to get back to the front page as the victimized, quote unquote, from care. All right, we'll keep tabs on all this. And I hope all of you have had a, a blessed week. And to my Muslim brothers and sisters, may you have had a, a blessed Ramadan as we get back to the regular pace of life and prayers and supplications and health and happiness and family. God bless you all. We'll be back next week on Reform This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.